You're listening to The Sidebar by NYABJ, a show about the world of media through the lens of Black media makers. I'm Katherine Jones. If you attended the 2022 NABJ and NAHJ convention in Las Vegas, you might have run into Jeff Johnson. Johnson has been in the news business for quite some time. After entering the MSNBC newsroom in 2016 as a line producer, he made the four-year climb toward the top as a senior producer. Now his days at NBCU's political and current affairs forefront include... Basically, my job um, as senior producer is to help the executive producer craft the editorial vision of the day for our show. So that involves selecting which reporters we're going to use, which you know big stories we want to tell, um, obviously, the rundown order, guest bookings, all those things. Um, basically, I sort of take the first crack at it, and then um, the EP will go in and you know make some minor adjustments um, based on what you know they want to do. And um, also, part of my job is to copy edit the scripts for the show, um, check all the elements, um, give out editorial guidance in the beginning of the day and also throughout the day and when we're live. Um, and then obviously once we're live on the air, executing the show and dealing with any changes that may come and just sort of helping to you know steer the ship with the EP. So that's sort of my job in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And so how long have you been a member of NABJ? I've been a member of NABJ since about, let's see, 2013 was actually when I first got involved with NABJ, and that was my first convention that year in Orlando, so I've been coming to the convention ever since. From leading a workshop to broadening his Rolodex of mentees, at this year's NABJ convention, he set his sights on aiding a new class of media professionals. And today with NYABJ, Johnson continues his goal of lending a helping hand to aspiring producers and reporters with a post-convention to-do list. You know, my inbox has already gotten pretty crazy. Um, And I've responded to some messages already because like I might as well just do it now while I see it. Um, But that's just how I approach it. Obviously, you know, my voice isn't the best because I've been talking so much the last week with networking. But, um, you know, for me, after the convention, I like to reflect and, you know, think about, you know, what were my objectives going into the convention? Did I reach those objectives? Did I do the things I said I wanted to do? Did I learn the things I wanted to learn? Did I connect with the people I wanted to connect with? Um, And so for me, I got everything I wanted out of this convention and then some. Coming into this year's convention, um, first from the point of view of, you know, a representative of MSNBC, a representative of NBCU, what were, you know, what was your approach going to be? What were your hopes going in? Um, Yeah, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so my approach this year was a little bit different um, because I wasn't looking for a job. Um, so I wasn't like looking to make the rounds of the career fair necessarily. Um, my my main goal, I did a breaking news workshop for NBCU Academy um, on Thursday at the convention. So that was like an interactive workshop on um, various breaking news scenarios um, where we had people from, you know, all over uh, the country in different markets that were at our tables um, that we got to interact with, which was really cool. Um, for me, I really wanted to come in and just sort of build my network Um, I wanted to also obviously represent the company in a good way, which I did. And I wanted to give give people an opportunity to network with me and get help and advice from me because I know what it's like to be in a situation where you're trying to 
you know, make your make your mark and get your name out there, get your get your face out there and, and try to, you know, get that 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 big job. So, you know, my thing has always been, you know, to give advice where I can. I tell people, you know, keep in touch with me. Let me know if you need any advice, if you want to talk about, you know, how things uh, go at the network, all of those things. So for me, this convention, I got everything I wanted out of it. I also got a chance to learn some things from people that are more experienced than me. So I always have something tangible to take back to the workplace, to the newsroom with me. Um, but I really wanted to have an opportunity to not just expand my network, but also become a part of other people's networks and give them an opportunity to, to pick my brain a bit um, and for me to help them wherever I can. Okay, so what was your favorite part of this year's convention? Uh, wow, that's a tough one. Um, it was, I mean, it, I think honestly, just being back in person, you know, having a having a having a two year layoff was really hard. You know, the virtual conventions were okay, but there's nothing quite like being in person. I think you could see the excitement level. I mean, that was a situation that we had never been in before, so it really was unprecedented to you know have to wait three years to be in person again. I mean, we were last in person in 2019 in Miami. So I think that to me was just the, the excitement of seeing everybody. Everyone was so ready to network. I mean, there have been other years where it's like the excitement wasn't always there based on maybe it was in a city that people didn't really want to go to or whatever. But this year, the excitement was through the roof. And I think everybody was, even though it's been a tough news year, I think everybody was just like really refreshed and energized and excited to be back in person and not only see people that you already know, but reconnect with new people. So I'd say that was the best part for me. So I feel great about it. It was everything I wanted. And, um, you know, I really wanted to make it a point <clears throat> to network um, with some of the younger people because I, I enjoy mentoring people. So I wanted to make sure like I reached out to, there were a number of people that were like following me on social media and stuff like that, that I had not yet met in person. These people came up to me and introduced themselves to me at the convention and they were not afraid. And I really do appreciate that because it lets me know that they're serious. So I would tell anyone listening to this, <clears throat> excuse me, that if you're connected with someone on social media, you've never met them in person and you see them at the conference, do not be afraid to go and approach them. Like me personally, I want you to come and approach me. I want you to come talk to me. I even tweeted it out several times. If you see me, hey, don't be shy. Come talk to me. Let's connect. Uh, no matter what level you're at. And so, you know, when you come to an NABJ convention, even if you're shy in your regular life, that's not the place to be shy. So speaking of networking, you're a senior producer. So what was it like for you? I know vertical network, you know, you're, you're high up. So people are looking to network with you, but right. you mentioned about meeting people who are more experienced than you. So mm. what is it like for you even being, you know, seasoned in this career, but you know, looking to meet people, learn new things from people who are higher up, more experienced. How are you looking to kind of meet people that way and still continue at this point in your career? Well, I think, you know, first of all, it's it's very humbling because no matter how high you get, there's always someone above you. There's always someone with more experience. So, you know, I've always believed that no matter how high you get, there's always more that you can learn. Um, and that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to, you know, make it a point to learn from people inside my company, um, especially like at the executive level, just about, you know, how they got to where they got to and, you know, their advice for someone at, at my particular career stage and what I should be on the lookout for and sort of how to approach um, 
the path that I want to go down. So I thought that was, you know, really great to have a chance to learn from them. And, you know, like you said, a lot of people want to network with me, but which is great, but I also, you know, cherish the opportunity to network with people that are above me because, you know, I look at people that are in the positions that I'm in, we're like, we're the future. And, you know, when these executives are ready to, you know, pass the baton, I need to be ready. And then going into that a little bit, horizontal networking, I feel like it's it's so underrated. Uh, meeting people who are at your level, um, you get to know, you know, salary or, you know, what the position is like at a different place. How have you benefited from horizontal networking at this year's convention? I benefited greatly because getting a being able to talk to people from other networks, especially um, to kind of see you know, what the salary ranges are, what the expectations are, how other newsrooms are managed. Um, it's very valuable because everybody does things a little bit differently. And I think it's very hard in this industry to know where you fit as far as salary, knowing whether or not you're you're paid where you, you, you know, if you're paid fairly or if you're underpaid, you don't know those things unless you talk to people that are at your level. And I think it's important to be transparent in those conversations. And it can be difficult because if you, and I've had this happen to me before, where you talk to someone that's at your level and you find out that they're paid more than you, and they may not even be as experienced as you are, but you're in the same position at that point, it can be a tough pill to swallow for a young person. But I think once you get past that and understand the importance of you know, salary transparency, it can only help you going forward. Yeah, so let's get a little bit more into your workshop. So what was your workshop about and how was the turnout? So the turnout was very good. Um, the room was full. Um, unfortunately, everyone that wanted to get in couldn't. Um, it was a uh, it was a workshop that was done by application before the convention. So people had to apply for it. Um, my particular workshop was called Visual Storytelling and Breaking News. And what that consisted of was we had at my table, particularly, I believe it was all on air reporters. Um, but we gave them a scenario of like a story with a with a sensitive video. And the idea there was to find out how they approach putting that video on the air. We posed a series of ethical um, questions to them as far as, you know, do we need to blur out faces? Do we need to contact the parents of the children that because it was a lot of children in the video? Do we need to contact the parents? Do we need to do this? You know, and because this video is 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 hard to watch you know, in your newscast, do you, do you tell your, your EP or your news director, Hey, we need to be careful about how much of this video we used. I posed a question to them. If you've got this video, are you using it in teases? Are you using it in your show opens? How much of it are you using in your package? How much of it are you, you know, blurring out or shortening or anything like that? Like, how do we use the video? Are we using it because it's necessary to tell the story or are we using it in in ways that are just there to sort of promote the news product and some of them had some very interesting responses like i know one person that was at my table she said my news director is very aggressive and doesn't care about any of that and wants to use sensitive video everywhere another person at my table said their news director was not quite that aggressive and understood the sensitivity of the subject matter and using the video judiciously. So we got a we got a really interesting mix of uh responses and the other thing we went into was like, 
you know, legal and standards concerns, because I know at NBC specifically, we have a very robust legal and standards department that sort of gives us guidance on, you know, you can't use this video or you can only use this video in the context of telling the story. You can't use it in a tease or, or an open or anything like that. So those were the, the main discussions that we were having. Um, and then we gave them an opportunity to actually write up a story at the end of the workshop, which myself and the other instructors in the workshop um, evaluate and um, send them feedback at a later date. So I thought the workshop went really well. I got a lot of great response from it. Everyone um, learned a lot and really walked away with something tangible. And I feel like we accomplished our goal in that respect. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned um, that you give them feedback at a later date. So this is a continual process signing up for these workshops. Yes. Yeah, it's a continual process. So I will give them feedback. And then that feedback will also go to the DEI um, personnel that were facilitating the workshop. And then also we use these workshops as a pipeline source. So we want to see, are these people uh, at the level that we think they may be ready to one day make the jump to the network? Are these people that we want to bring in at the network level? So that's something, and I'll go through and evaluate each of them individually on their strengths and their weaknesses and their writing and all of those things. You in this workshop were teaching people, uh, and like you mentioned before, you plan to come to this convention to find mentees to help people. What was the most memorable question that someone asked you or you know, the advice that you were able to dish out? Um, I think the one common question that I get, which is probably the most memorable because it's so common, um, is how did you get to where you are? You know, because they they see how the, the news management landscape is and there just aren't a lot of black men in some of these higher roles. So they're always curious to know how I got to where I got to. And my my path to get here was a little different than most. So I'm always, you know, happy to tell that story. And I actually got my I got into NBC because of NABJ. So I always tell them to, you know, not to let these opportunities um, slip by to really take full advantage of everything that the conference has to offer, because I know from experience that not only did the 2016 conference in D.C. get me my current job, but I can actually look back and point to every single conference that I've been to helped my career in some way. Even if it didn't directly lead to a job, they all helped me, whether it was a connection for a job that I got later or a workshop that helped me with, I know there's one workshop I went to years ago that um, helped me with my job interviewing skills. So there's always something there that will help you uh, get to the next level. So what is your first thought when you hear that question? Like, how did you get here? Do you feel like, especially when it comes from a black person, you know, do you feel like you found the magic ticket? Do you feel like you know, it was a struggle and you're still, still seeing people struggle to get there. Um, do you feel like it's opened up a, more opportunities? You see more Black people coming into these positions. Do you meet more Black people along the way as, you know, you're rising up to the top or going to different conventions and other things like that? Well, first off, it's very humbling to get that question because I remember that it wasn't that long ago that I was asking the same question. Um, but I think as I've gotten through, it's it's still very difficult I think you know the news organizations have made strides. Um, diversity has gotten better, but we still have a lot of work to do. And as I get higher up the chain, I find that as far as Black people being there, it gets a little lonely the, the closer you go to the top. Um, like for instance, <clears throat> at MSNBC, there's only myself and one other Black male that are at the senior producer level. 
We currently don't have any black male EPs or any black male executives. We have a lot of black female executives and EPs, which is wonderful, but we're still lacking for black men. And so that's something that I hope to, you know, help work on, not only with myself, but anybody that I can help, you know, mentor along the way. Um, so we've got a lot of work to do still, but I'm hoping that, you know, we're starting to break um, some of these barriers. So speaking of mentorship, how does one approach a potential mentor? Like what is a non-awkward way to say, hey, I admire your career. I would love to pick apart your brain. Honestly, I think you could say it that way. <laughs> I mean, it really depends on who you approach. But I think if you, <clears throat> I think if you show that person that you're serious um, and that you respect their work, um, you won't have a problem getting that. I mean, I've had a number of great mentors throughout the year or throughout the years that I still have to this day. Um, and I think that those people enjoy the mentorship aspect and they want to help and being in an environment like NABJ, there's no better place to network and get a mentor than the NABJ convention. So I would tell anybody, you know, my basic advice would be not to be afraid to approach anyone. Some, there, there may be some people that tell you no, because they just don't have the time and that's okay. But, you know, get out there and just put your name out there, have your elevator pitch ready to go. And you never know where that may lead to. But as they say, shoot your shot. So how do you balance that that mentor mentee relationship, especially now when there's so much happening, you know, in the world in, you know, between monkeypox and COVID and January 6th and so much that like drags a news professional, you know, constantly at work, constantly busy? How do you kind of approach that person and not seem maybe too time consuming, um, but still have a beneficial mentee mentor relationship? Well, I think I think the way to do it is to, you know, let them know that, you know, it's up to their schedule, not yours. You need to be willing to fit into their schedule um, and understand that they're they're probably, you know, busier than you are because they're an executive. They've got so much on their plate. So you just kind of leave it open ended, like, hey, you know, whenever you get an opportunity, whenever you have a chance. Um, and understand that it may take a while for them to get back to you. And it's not because they're ignoring your email or they don't want to be bothered. They just have to do it when they have time. And I know that from personal experience. I actually have a mentor right now who is a senior vice president within my organization. And he's extremely busy and he does his best to make time for me once a week. We talk once a week on Fridays for about a half hour, 45 minutes. And you typically every week we're able to meet, but then there are some weeks where he's just too busy and he has to cancel. And I understand that. And that's no problem. So I think just understanding how busy these people are and, and, and not taking it personally when they have to cancel or, you know, they're not able to get to you right away, just stick with it. Um, they, they do genuinely want to help you. It's just, they've got so much on their plate. So just be patient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are, what are some turnoffs or don'ts of being a mentee? Um, hmm, turnoffs. That's an interesting, I don't get that question often. Um, I think not being prepared, um, in the sense of if you, if you don't know why you're coming to me, then that's going to be problematic. You know, you need to be prepared. So have your pitch ready. I need to know, you know, what it is that you, that you want to do. I need to know, you know, kind of what you're thinking and and more about you as far as like what your skills are um and kind of how you're already working those things but i would say the lack of preparation is probably my biggest pet peeve like don't just come to me and ask for my mentorship just for the sake of doing it it needs to have a specific purpose 
And I need to know that you're ready. And I also want to know that, you know, you're not wasting my time. So like if I'm scheduling meetings with you or scheduling time to talk, don't cancel on me because I'm taking time out of my very busy schedule to help you. So you should be ready, um, you know, whenever I'm ready to go. So I would say that's probably my biggest um, turnoff or pet peeve is lack of preparation and um, wasting time. So how does the the young professional find a mentor when they're still kind of figuring out the business, still figuring out what they like, don't like, what to do, want to do? Mm -hmm. um, what approaches should they take? Well, I think in that situation, the biggest thing is be open-minded. Um, and you can have more than one mentor. I think a lot of people get stuck in this idea that I, I can only have one mentor. You can have as many mentors as you like, because every mentor is going to bring something a little bit different to the table. And you may have mentors that mentor you for a little while, and then you move on to another mentor. There are a lot of different ways things can go, but you also need to be intentional when you are looking for a mentor. Um, and don't just go to someone for the sake of going to someone does this person actually have the, the knowledge and the skills that can really help you? I think that's the big thing. So the convention just ended, right? What are the next steps for someone, you know, they went to either the career fair or they met someone online waiting for a workshop. What are the next steps? They have their business card, they have their contact information. What can they do to keep that relationship going? The next step is the follow-up. Um, you always follow up after the convention. You know, there it's funny, there are sometimes these little rules and things that you hear, like you got to wait a certain number of days, all that type of stuff. I would just say do it when you feel comfortable. Um, at the same time, though, I probably wouldn't send them a note on the Monday after the convention. Um, I probably would wait a few days. That's just my personal belief because they are so busy and they're going to be slammed and have to catch up when they get back. But I would say definitely the follow up, whether it's an email, a LinkedIn message, um, just just stay in touch with them and just let them know that you, you haven't forgotten about them. I think, you know, one mistake that I see people make is like they have a really great convention and they make all these connections and things, but then they get home and they let that momentum subside and you can't do that. You have to keep that momentum going. You have to let these people know constantly that you're, you're serious, you're ready. Um, and just, you know, keeping up with what they're doing and making sure that you're, you know, providing your best work, um, make sure that your work stays at, at top level and make sure that you're sharing that with people, you know, make sure, make sure that you're utilizing tools like LinkedIn to, you know, keep your work out there and keep yourself relevant even long after the convention. But the best thing, like I said, is to uh, make sure you're following up um, not long after the convention. Don't wait two or three weeks, do it within the first week. And given this year, what are you excited for, excited about for next year's convention? What I'm excited about for next year's convention, well, I've never been to Birmingham, so I don't know what to expect. And maybe that's the most exciting part because, you know, people, I think people look at Birmingham like, oh, that's not the most glamorous city. But I think, you know, if you're a job seeker, those are the ones to be at. Um, those are the best ones. Um, they're typically not as crowded. But anyway, um, I'm just excited about, you know, being in a place I've never been before. I'm excited to see what Birmingham has to offer. I'm excited to see what the local chapter is going to do to sort of give this convention a, 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 a different flavor. And um, I'm also interested to see, you know, how the events turn out and how the companies show up. But I think it's going to be a great convention. I think a lot of people are underestimating Birmingham, and I think it's going to deliver more than people give it credit for right now. So I'm going to ask you one last question so you can you know, relax your voice. So okay. 
comparing the first time you stepped foot in an NABJ convention and the last one you just went to in Vegas, mm -hmm. what has changed in the convention and what has changed, you know, for you and your outlook on, you know, going to these conventions and being a part of NABJ? Um, what has changed for me, I think, is um, I'm not overwhelmed. I think the very the first convention I went to, I was so overwhelmed and I was going to every single workshop, every single event. I had huge FOMO. You know, I didn't know which direction I wanted to go all the time and I wanted to meet everybody. And I still have that excitement level. But now I'm a little bit more judicious about which events I attend, which workshops I go to. I don't feel like I have to go to every single workshop that's out there because you literally can't anyway. Um and then just, you know, my approach now is different because when I went to my first NABJ convention, I was still trying to sort of break in, whereas now I'm more established. So I'm, you know, representing my company and all those things. So it's it's a different mindset now. It's a different approach, but I'm still very excited to go. Um, I love it. And I love the learning aspect of it. Like even the young people that that want to um you know, get mentorship from me. I'm learning from them. I'm seeing these new types of resumes and business cards and stuff. And I mean, I'm looking at the new age resumes. I'm like, wow, I'm, I still got the old school resume. Maybe it's time for me to update mine and put a little pizzazz to it. So I'm learning from the young people as well. So that's cool. So listeners, the verdict is in. Conventions make impressions and are about making an impression so that one day we too can make an impression on something bigger than ourselves. See you next year at NABJ in Birmingham. Special thanks to Jeff Johnson for joining us. The Sidebar is a production of the Greater New York Chapter of the National Association of Black Journalists. The opinions heard in this episode belong to the individuals who expressed them and not to NYABJ. The music in our show theme is by Paulus Raps, and I'm Katherine Jones. Subscribe now to join us for more conversations and industry insights straight from the source.